title tonight, Bitter Waters Turn Sweet. Bitter Waters Turn Sweet, okay? The story of Ruth is a beautiful story, and it's a story uh, between Ruth and Boaz, uh, mainly, you know, an intermarriage between a Jew and a Gentile. And this Old Testament book of Ruth foreshadows the New Testament and specifically to Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. So everything that we're going to read and study throughout this book, it's just so powerful because it all points to Jesus. Oh, how he loves us and how he loves us. Incredible. So, um, by the way, if you did miss uh, the first teaching, I titled it, Did God Say to Go? So if you're looking for it, that's what you want to look for. Did God Say to Go? So we're going to pick up in the middle of chapter 1 in the book of Ruth. Naomi was a widow now in Moab, and she had heard that the Lord had visited Bethlehem with bread, and she decided to go back. But she knew that the life of an unmarried foreign widow in Israel would be hard. So she knew the culture and the customs. She knew that it would be hard for her two daughters-in-law to go with her. And so she told them, stay and go back to your homes. Go back to your mothers. Stay here, right? Now, you guys know that Orva, she agreed and said, okay, good idea, basically, and she went back home. But Ruth did not. Ruth did not. We don't hear anything else about Orpa. We do about Ruth. So I want you to turn your Bible to uh, Ruth chapter 1 because we're going to finish chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 6. I want to read verse 6. It says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab, that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from that place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And this is where Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go ahead, go back to your mother's home. You've been so kind to me. You have dealt kindly with me. And, you know, and here we read, let's, let's jump up to, let's jump up to verse 11. Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. I'm too old to bear sons. So look at the middle of verse 14, the end of verse 14. Well, let's just read first verse 14. They lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth, clung to her. Ruth clung to what was good. Ruth clung to her future, right? So look at verse 15. And she said, look to your sister. Your sister's gone back. She says her people, she's gone back to her people and to her gods. Return. And she says, after your sister-in-law. She says, she went back to her gods. Go back. I have nothing to offer you. Go back. But Ruth must have seen something in Naomi that all those years that caused her to be, to be drawn into this God that Naomi served. And she said in verse 16, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And whatever, and it says, And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Do you hear the vow that she is making? This beautiful, heartfelt vow. She's seen Naomi's walk. She has seen a woman that 
does love God. She has seen a woman's example and she is saying, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to what I know. I don't want to go back to the same old. I know that land. I know what they do. I don't want to go back. And when I think about her vow, she's not done making the vow. We're going to finish it. But when I think about her vow, I think about our vow to Jesus. I want to follow you. She says, entreat me. I want to follow you. Don't, I don't want to go back. She was saying, I am completely committed, wholeheartedly committed. And when we said yes to Jesus, that's what he desires of us. Not just a yes, but a complete yes. Not just a, okay, I'll follow you as long as, but no, I will follow you no matter what. She made a complete vow. Well, like, in other words, her heart was 100% in, even though she did not quite know everything about this God yet. She knew the example that was set before her, but she had a lifetime of living in, in Moab. She had a lifetime of following after these other gods. That she knew and she knew very well. But following after Naomi and the God of Israel was newer. So whatever she was able to portray and whatever she gleaned from her was something that caught her attention. And the truth is same with us. There was a day that we realized our need for Christ. And we had a lifetime, for many of us, we had a lifetime of living in Moab, so to speak. In our own Moab, right? We had a lifetime of living in the world, of living with the opposite spirit. But then that day came where God started to pull on our heartstrings. And we knew, I don't want that life anymore. And we gave our lives 100% to Jesus, right? And so, and I see the parallels here. She says, wherever you go, I will go. That's a walk of faith. There was a risk for her to even say this because she would be a foreign woman in this foreign land and a widow in this foreign land. And so that was not a very safe place for women back in the Old Testament because it was very difficult for them to find work. And so they were going to have to rely on either you get married or I don't know what's going to happen to you. So, but she didn't look at all these reasons and say, wow, okay, I'm going to calculate the cost and then I'm going to make my decision. No, she allowed the spirit of the Lord to pull her into truth. Stop letting circumstances block you from an on fire life in Christ. Stop letting difficulties or someone that's not walking in the way that you want to stop your walk. In other words, you can't be led astray by somebody else's lack of ability to say yes to Jesus. I don't care if it happens to be living in your own home. I don't care if it happened to be, you know, your own seed. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you have to say, Lord, no matter what. Oh, but that's a big statement for some. Well, it's a big statement until you finally say it. When you finally say it and realize, you're like, okay, there's nothing else to say. There is nothing else that I would want to say. Okay, let's, let's keep going. She says... Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your people shall be my people. She is saying, listen, I'm turning away from what I've known my whole life. Your people shall be my people. I am serving your God. Then she, she says, and your God, my God. Right there, she just committed her life to Christ, so to speak. I mean, she right there said, I am going to follow after your God. 
I am not going to follow after the gods of these of this pagan land. I am going to follow after. Yeah, I know you don't have a, a husband. I know you don't have any sons. And there's no hope of you having any other sons. And I don't know. I've never even been to Israel. But you know, at the same time, I'm going to still go. I'm going because I'm following after you. But in reality, she was following after God. She says, I'm going to follow you. Where you go, I will go. But what she was really saying is, where God leads me with you is where I'm going with you. She was making a decree. She was making a vow. And then she went on. She's like, and not just for a little while. She says, wherever you die, I will die. This was a woman that was not trained in the word of God. She says, wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more. If anything but death parts us. If anything but death. And so when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. She says, okay, there's no changing her mind. She is going to do this. So Ruth, we t I told you last time that Ruth, her name means friendship, right? It means friend or friendship. But when I read this, I see that Ruth moved way past just a good friend into faith. Ruth moved past friendship into now being a woman of faith, uh, claiming what she does not see but knows, we have to claim what we do not see, but we know. We know it by faith. We know it through the eyes of faith that everything that God has established in you, that he has spoken to you, or he has already shown you, even if it's just a little tiny glimpse, that you're claiming it by faith. Say, by faith, I'm claiming it just as Ruth did. This friend of God that now is walking in a level of faith she did not have before. Right? So friendship. She's committed. I stick in some of these other words to describe her. Commitment, loyalty, faithfulness, and then, of course, Jesus. He's committed to us, you guys. And he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is faithful and he is true. Let's go over to Revelation 19. Revelation 19 and verse 11. Because he is faithful and he is true. And I want to I want to read it to you here. Okay, nineteen eleven. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Jesus, faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and he makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was dipped with a robe, dripped in blood, blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He is faithful and he is true. Say, he is faithful and he is true. Jesus is faithful and true. Ruth, she was, she was showing her character of being faithful and loyal. Jesus is faithful. He is loyal. He is true, and there is none that even compares with him. Amen. I love this because her commitment to, to Naomi was a really, truly a commitment to fulfilling the call of God on her life. And that is the same with us. Our commitment to walk in the word, our commitment to walk in truth, in everything that the Lord has already shown us in the word of God and what he continues to reveal is revealing what God has already done in you. And it's revealing what he is going to do. So I think about Jesus being faithful and true, but this is his character. This is his nature. 
This is his character. It's his nature. Do you know that you can't separate God from his character and his nature? It's who he is, right? And so he's faithful and he's true to you. He was not just faithful and true only to Ruth. He's faithful and he's true to us. And he's always faithful and he's always true even when we're faithless sometimes. But he is faithful and he is true. So I love the fact that this woman did not decide to go back to what was comfortable because anything you know is more comfortable than something you don't know, right? And so it would have been easy for her to go back to something she knew. It may have not been, she may not wanted to because she's obviously now, she has a heart connection with Naomi, but it would have still been easier to go back than to go forward. But every time the enemy tells you to go backwards, you know that is not the Lord. If he's telling you to go back, it is not God. When he says, I want you to go back, in other words, I want you to, you, you've grown in this level of your faith, but I want you to stop being radical. I want you to go backward. I want you, don't go to church so much. You know, I want you, that's going backwards. Oh, you love going and you love, you know, and you, maybe you get a hard, maybe you get uh, teased by it. Maybe Maybe your family doesn't understand and they give you a hard time. Why do you go to church? You know, how many times a week do you got to go to church? And, you know, seriously, what are you there when the opening doors and you got to shut the doors too? Do you have the key to the place? Like, you know, like they give you a hard time about it, right? But I'll tell you right now, that is the enemy trying to tell you to go backwards. Uh, yes, I'm going to church. What do you mean? It's your birthday. You're going to, it's your anniversary. You're going to church. What do you mean? Don't you want to celebrate here? I got to celebrate with Jesus first. Uh, I got to celebrate with my Lord first, uh, right? And so you've grown. It's so much better. Yeah. And so you, you have grown to a place where, you know, I crave him more than life itself. I crave Jesus. I crave his presence. I crave the family of God. Now that doesn't mean that you, you know, put aside your natural family, but it means you have priorities and you're not going to step backwards. You're not going backwards. You're going to go forward. And that's my point in this. She did not go backwards. She went forward no matter what, even when going backwards would have been a little bit more convenient or at least comfortable because she knew what that meant. So don't worry when you don't know what it means. If God is showing you go forward, then you go forward. Hallelujah. So these, these two women represent how in Christ we can overcome barriers. We can overcome barriers in Christ because you guys know that, uh, the Moabites, Moab, the land of Moab, was against, they were the enemies of Israel. And so here we have a Moabite woman and we have, and we have a woman from Israel, a Jew. And in the natural, these two countries were at war, enemies. But God takes one from one camp and one from another camp. And he says, because of Jesus, I'm going to unite these two. And they're going to overcome every type of barrier that the enemy would try to put in their way. And you are doing the same thing. You're overcoming the barriers that the enemy is trying to put in your life. And it's because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Because of the cross, you're able to see things through his eyes and not natural means, right? So that's important to know. This wasn't just a, oh, well, by marriage, true. Yes, by marriage, true. But at the same time, that which is under, underground, kind of, so to speak. Uh, like, in other words, you always can tell when there is, there is an uncomfortableness between two people. It may be something unspoken, right? But you can sense it. Like the elephant in the room. You know it's there. Nobody has to point it out, but you know it's there. So this could have been there. But I believe that it wasn't because of what God did in and through these beautiful women that were looking to God. 
There it says, I'm looking to God. I I'm looking to the Lord. God did a work in their heart and meshed their hearts together. One left, one stayed. Our choices determine our future. We don't hear anymore of Orpah, but we do hear about Ruth. And boy, do we ever hear about Ruth. And what a lineage she ends up leaving behind because of that one simple yes. So important that we, we say yes to the right things. So now let's look over to, we're still in chapter one of Ruth. I want to finish chapter one of Ruth today. So we're going to go over to, um, to 20. 20 and 20 through 22. Because she says, because now they're, they're, they're moving on. They're going, they're going back. And she says to them, actually, let's go back to 19. I think it makes more sense. Now, two, the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. They're excited. They're like, hey, Noemi's back, right? And one says, is this, is this Naomi? I know I say Naomi and Noemi. I keep mixing up the two. Thank you, my love. Thank you, my love. <laughs> we have a Noemi here. So I'm so used to saying Noemi that sometimes I get, it's Naomi. Okay. So she said to, to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Remember, Naomi meant pleasant. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabite, the Moabite is her daughter-in-law with her who returned from the country of Moab. Okay, and they came when it was um, barley, har barley harvest. She right there had inappropriately blamed God for what happened in her life. Instead of owning up to her own responsibilities and her own choices, both her and her husband's, she ends up looking at this as, don't call me pleasant. Don't call me joyful. Call me bitter. Because Mara means bitter. Because she had become bitter because of the heavy losses. And she had quite a bit of losses. Her husband died, both of her sons died, right? And so she had a lot of losses, but she says, call me, call me, call me Mara, which means bitter, but she was blaming God. Do you, did you hear what I said? The almighty did this. No, he did not. God did not do this to her. her. Our own choices determine our future. God wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to give you the cattle on a thousand hills. He wants to give you more than you even dream, hope, or imagine, according to Ephesians 3.20. We do serve an abundant God. But when we see the lack, okay, it could be a, a few different things. Sometimes it's just a trial. You need to walk through that trial and be strengthened through it, right? Warfare. But sometimes it's the result of some poor choices in our lives. And we can't blame God when we have made poor choices and then we reap the negative consequences. But at this point in time, she's inappropriately blaming God. But I love that God is still good no matter what. I love that he's still gracious no matter what. She's calling herself Mara, which means bitter. But you know the cross makes even the bitter water sweet, right? The cross makes the bitter water sweet. And so the Israelites, I'm gonna, we're going to jump over to Exodus 15. So let's go ahead and turn there. Because the, the Israelites also had a habit of murmuring and grumbling. 
and they were complaining yeah, a lot because they were complaining because they had no water and they're traveling and traveling and traveling and they they had no water you know for three days and then they finally see a, a body of water and they're thinking wow praise god we got some water all to find out it was too bitter to drink from and so they were very disappointed and discouraged and continued to complain exodus 15 and 22. so moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and when they brought them from the Red Sea, and when they went out into the wilderness of Shur, they went there three days, and they found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. This Marah and the other Marah, slightly different spelling, same exact meaning. Both mean bitter. Bitterness it means bitter, it means grieved. They could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. He made, and there he made a statute and, he, and an ordinance for them, and he tested them, and he said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. But And we, you, we're used to saying that scripture, I am the Lord who heals you. But what you need to know is that, that follows right after the story of the bitter waters being made sweet because he put a tree in there. He put wood in there. He put a tree. But Jesus died on the tree and Jesus is who makes our bitter waters sweet. And the word of the Lord, hallelujah, the word of the Lord says in, in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so Jesus died on a tree, on the cross, right? The tree. They put the tree in the bitter waters, and the bitter waters became sweet so that they could drink. Any situation that you're in, you've got to see where is Christ in this? What is God doing in this? What is he showing me in this? What is he trying to tell me through this? Because when you can see that bitter situation, but you can ask those questions, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing in my life? What do I need to say? What do I need to do differently, Father God? When you put Christ in the center of every situation, he will take every place that's bitter, that's lacking, that's hard, that's difficult, and he will make it sweet. Do you believe me? Yes. Amen. We know because the word of the Lord does not it doesn't prove false. It doesn't return empty. It doesn't return void, right? So we put Christ in the middle of everything. That's why, we you know, we love him and we put him in the center. Let him be the center. Let Jesus be the center of your life. Not just when you sing and worship, but every day. Say, Lord, make me hungrier for you than I even knew imaginable. I even knew possible. I didn't even know it was possible. But Lord, make me hungrier for you. Hungrier, Lord. God, I want to be hungrier for you. And somebody might say, it's not possible. You're already pretty hungry. Oh, it's always possible there's always more i want to be more hungry lord god for you right and so we continue to ask the lord to continue to increase that hunger and he does oh boy does he ever and therefore the bitterness every place of bitterness in your life is turning sweet because of christ 
But notice, notice, they had to put the tree. Moses had to put that tree in there. Moses had to put that tree in there. So you have to make a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to choose Christ over this dilemma. I'm going to choose Christ over this worry. I'm not choosing worry. I'm choosing Christ. I'm choosing faith. I'm choosing hope. I'm choosing love. I'm choosing forgiveness. I'm choosing restoration. I'm going to choose to live at peace with everyone. As much as it lies within me, I'm going to live at peace with all those that God has. As much as it lies within you, you're going to live at peace. I'm going to choose Christ in this situation no matter what. No matter what, I'm putting Christ in the center of it. And anything that was bitter is now joy. Because he's making my joy complete right what's the opposite of bitter if you're bitter joy is pretty on the other far end of that spectrum isn't it if you're bitter joy is like completely on the other end of that spectrum so instead of bitterness i'm choosing joy i'm choosing jesus jesus is my joy he is my strength the joy of the lord is my strength and it's in the presence of the lord that's the fullness of joy anyway it's in his presence that i get the fullness of that joy so as if i stay in the presence of jesus any bitter situation actually has no place upon my heart it has no place at all it loses it loses its power because i choose christ I choose to put Christ in everything. Amen. Hallelujah. And we know that Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God makes all things beautiful in his time. So no matter what, just say, hold on, deliverance is coming. God makes everything beautiful in his time anyway. Oh, devil, you think you're laughing now. People think, oh, you can go ahead and laugh. You can go ahead and gloat. You can go ahead. Because let me tell you, God makes everything beautiful in his time. And I'm going to keep my eyes on him. And let me tell you, what you see today is not what you're going to see tomorrow. You're going to see so much better. You're going to see this beautiful picture. You're going to be like, what happened to her? What happened to him? I kept my eyes on Jesus. I kept putting Jesus in the middle of everything, no matter how difficult, difficult, became I kept on putting Jesus in the middle of it yeah but your son your daughter I kept on putting Jesus I thank you for what you said Lord God I'm not going to listen to the naysayers certainly not going to listen to my own mind sometimes the enemy tries to plague me oh no I'm going to keep Jesus in the center of it all Jesus the center of it all amen hallelujah so just a little foreshadow of what's to come in our study because I couldn't wait I was so excited. But out of their God-ordained marriage, okay, Ruth and Boaz, which we haven't gotten to yet, but out of their God-ordained marriage came Obed. I told you last time that Obed meant servant, okay? So out of their God-ordained marriage, which we will get to, came Obed, which means servant. So Obed, the servant, fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. And you guys know this, right? So Obed, which means servant, fathered Jesse, which fathered David, King David, later to become King David. But Jesus, our Messiah, is the servant of all. And the servant of all was the root of Jesse, and he's the root of David. I'm going to give you two scriptures right here, Isaiah 11.10 and Revelation 5.5. Isaiah 11.10 and Revelation 5.5. Isaiah 11:10 talks about how he's the root of Jesse and Revelation 5:5 and the root of David. And so we know that wherever the root, whatever kind of root is, that's going to be the fruit. From the root of obedience, from the root of Ruth's obedience, came much good fruit because not only was Obed then Jesse then King David and ultimately Jesus in that lineage because from the root of a servant of God from the root and the servant because 
Ruth was acting as a servant as well. But then she gave birth to a, a, a boy named Servant, uh, called Servant. Uh, that servant then became faithful to give and give and give. And ultimately, Jesus came from that lineage, and he is the servant of all. One decision, one right decision. Let me tell you, don't you believe that this beautiful miracle that God just did with Ruth, that we're reading about with Ruth, don't you believe that God wants to do incredible miracles in your life through your obedience? Through your obedience. One obedience, one, one act of obedience in your life, one act of obedience in your life that you stand with, that you stick to. Not an act of obedience that you keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but you stick to it. She stuck to her decision. She jumped in with both feet into the deep end. She didn't try to rationalize it. She didn't try to figure it out. She didn't leave with her sister-in-law. She could have. She was given permission. But she chose the higher road. When we choose the higher road and when we forgive when it's not even asked for, and it's certainly not deserved, right, in our minds, right? But we still choose to forgive because we know that, you know what? God is watching my walk. He is watching my life. He's watching what I do. And you know what? I may not even have been at fault, but he's still watching my life. He's still watching my walk. And I want to make sure I'm found faithful and I'm found right in his eyes. So I'm going to do, I'm going to choose the higher road. I'm going to be obedient. And out of my obedience is going to come a blessing. So the root, the root of Jesse, the root of, of, um, the root of Je David, root of Jesse, the root of David, Jesus came. But in reality, Jesus already was. So who already was uh, end up, ended up coming to show us that God has already completed the circle. It's not just yet undone. It's not being figured out as we go. It's actually a circle that's already completed because you understand from the roots. Like, oh, well, there comes the root. Oh, he gave birth to the year to, you know, him. And then, you know, he fathered and then he fathered and he fathered. And here's Jesus. Yes. In the natural. But in reality, Jesus already was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning. Right? So it already was. So a complete circle. But out of obedience, we got to see it in the natural. But the same is true for your life. The same is true for our life. Out of obedience, we get to see. And not only that, then I was thinking, okay, so he is the root. The root of Jesse, the root of David. Jesus is the root. The root of obedience, when we are obedient, much good fruit is developed. Much good fruit. Good fruit is being developed in your life right now. As you're obedient, good fruit is being developed. And the word says is that we're to judge by their fruits. You don't know what's in my heart. I don't necessarily know what's in your heart, right? We know what we can see. We know what we, what's visible. But you don't really know a person's heart, but God does, right? But we know this one thing, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak, right? So we know based on what they say. But the Word says we're to be rooted and we're to be grounded in the Word of God. So our root needs to be in the Word of God, rooted and grounded in Him. Are we rooted and grounded in Jesus? Rooted and grounded in Him. So our root determines our fruit. So if we're rooted and we're grounded in Jesus, our root determines our fruit. And we know that the word says in, in Matthew 7 and 18, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. 
So if we are rooted in obedience, in good soil, we're rooted in a good place, then we are going to produce good fruit. And that's exactly what Ruth did. She kept herself planted where God truly led her, not her emotions, not circumstances. And because of that, she reaped, but not just her. She reaped the goodness of God, but not just her. We all get to reap the goodness of God for one person's decision. And don't you want to be a blessing for somebody else too? 